just had another testimony for someone from someone at work that we prayed for a week and a half ago on Wednesday night for God to release them into what he's called them to do. Marketplace ministry. Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie came front. We prayed for her uh, along with some other people that wanted to be released in their jobs. We had Karen had a testimony that things opened up for her for um, at at the the bookstore, Moravia Bookstore, and the Muslim the jeweler, whatever whoever the name was. It Muslim Jewelers. It's Muslim Jewelers. But it's at the. Okay, so that happened. <laughs> I love it when God is very specific and gives you the exact words from somebody else out of the blue, that, so that we don't miss it. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I was thinking, what I'd like you to do is pull up the song that we just sang, um, open up the heavens, and go to the second verse. I, this is an impression I had. I don't know if you looked at me, not too many people look at me when we're up here leading worship, but I had a smile on my face. I don't often have a smile on my face, but I had a smile on my face. <laughs> You're probably wondering, you know, what's going on with that guy, you know, <laughs> or what's happening back here that he's watching everybody else, what's going on? And it hit me. Well, it didn't hit me. It came to me. I thought, you know, we're, we're asking for God to reveal his glory, we want to see his glory, so we're looking everywhere for some kind of a manifestation. And look. Your presence in this place, your glory on our face. Guess where his glory is manifested most clearly, perfectly? On the faces of his people. And so we're looking everywhere else. And so I'm just looking around, looking at the glory on your faces. And you know what? We really, we really need, we need to have that kind of a mindset. Wherever we go, you know, the people that we rub shoulders with, that there's something of the glory of God in every person that he's created. And we need to look for that. And we need to, like, draw it out, you know, draw it out of them. And then when we come together and we're singing, we're praising, and we're worshiping the Lord, and you see people worshiping in all different kinds of ways, I almost felt like saying, okay, just stop a minute and look around. <laughs> just look, just look around, look at the glory of God. I mean, I wasn't smiling because I think that God has a sense of humor because of the way he's made some people. That's not what I was thinking about. It's the fact that his glory shines on our faces when we get into his presence. And we carry the glory with us all the time. And, and, and there's a glory of man. The Bible tells us about that. But there's, there's a glory because of we're created in God's image. Everybody is. And so... We need to, we, you know, we need to celebrate that, rejoice in that, and, and remember that. Yes, Gail Oakley. True, true. Okay, we're talking about... I'm gonna actually going to go backwards in, in chronology as far as where we've been in Joshua. Because of what happened last week, I jumped ahead. Now I'm going back to where, what I was going to do last week and add a little bit. It is Palm Sunday. 
even though it probably wasn't Sunday when Jesus rode the donkey, but don't let that bother you. That's okay. Just because we celebrate it and it's not quite right if you figure out the days, doesn't matter. But Joshua chapter 1, I just want to do this, then we'll go to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp, and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And we've read that several times, and there's, there are things in there that we've talked about already. Prepare provisions. In three days we're going, so there's the, the issue of time and the issue of priorities. Then we go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. This is what I want to talk about for a bit this morning. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. So this is kind of an interesting passage of Scripture. Joshua says, okay, get ready, here we go. We're going to line up, and this is the process. This is the way that we're going to do it. We're going to have the, the ark first. The ark is going first. The Levites, the priests are going to carry it, and the priests are going to accompany them, and I don't know how they did that. I'm, I'm assuming, my assumption is, that the ark was rather heavy, and you couldn't carry it for very far for very long, so you had to be switching off. So there had to be a number of other priests there to help carry it, especially if it was a long journey. So you have the ark, the priests, and then you have 2,000 cubits, which is 3,000 feet, which is, I mean, 3,000 feet, 100, I'll get it right. It's 10 football fields. <laughs> 2,000 cubits is 3,000 feet or 1,000 yards, which is 10 football fields. And so that was the distance that they were supposed to keep back from the ark as they approached the river, the Jordan River. And, and God was very specific about that. He says, make sure you don't get too close. Now, and he, and he says, keep that distance because you've not gone this way before. In other words, let the Lord be the one who leads you into this new territory because you haven't been this way before. We don't want to stampede across the river. We don't want people getting carried away. Just stay back, watch and observe. And really what God was saying is there's an order, there's a progression, there's a way that you enter into promises. And it's that crazy word that we're going to talk about today, which everybody loves, submission. Biblical submission. You understand that we need, when we come to the Lord, when it comes to our time, we need to submit to His Lordship as far as time goes. Time that we spend and timing everything that He does. We need to submit. We need to submit our priorities to Him too. The Lord, do I have things out of whack in my, in my life? Do I have things not quite the way they're supposed to be? And so we want to look at the word submission because it's a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom principle. And most of the time when, you, when people say submission, it's like, I don't like that word. Because to most people it means subjugation or being put under uh, somebody or being dominated by somebody else or, or having that, okay, I'm going to be the doormat and let everybody walk all over me because I'm submitting. 
and we're going to define the term in, in just a minute. But I believe that part of the image here is that there is spiritual leadership. First, there's the presence of God, spiritual leadership, and then the people. And it's not like first, second, third class, but it's just the right order for things to work well. Submission to God's order will bring the greatest blessing. God wants to bring the fullness of life to us in everything. He doesn't give us rules and regulations just because he likes to be... I used to think that my dad gave rules and regulations just because he wanted to show he was tough or like, like he was, you know, like, I'm the boss and you better understand that. But that wasn't really true. Uh, some of the rules may have been misguided, but he really wanted the best for us children, the kids, and, and that was on his heart and on his mind. Um, the world hates the whole idea of submission, especially in the United States. You know, we have, not only are we Christians who are under grace, which means we're not under the law. We're not under the law because we're under grace, so that means we can do whatever we want. It's not really what it means. And really, if you understand what, how grace works, being under grace, actually, the, the, the requirements are much harder, more, more, much harder to follow, more difficult to follow, more because you can follow a law externally and not really follow it internally. And in the, in the period that we're in now, God wants us to follow everything from our hearts and let it flow out from there. So the harder do it from the inside out. But anyway, um, the world despises, really doesn't care for submission. Um, and the reason that they don't is because they don't want to be under God's order. And submission is not subjugation. Submission is being rightly related. It's a term in Greek that means rightly related, and it really is a military term. It's a term that means set in order properly. And even today in, in the military, when they teach soldiers, when they're moving together as a troop to go into a battle, every soldier's responsibility is to guard everybody else that's around him. And so the proper understanding of, of submission is watching, protecting everybody else, looking out for them. Get your focus off yourself and look, look to them, watch them, keep your focus on them. Watching in case the enemy comes and protect them. That's really what submission is. First of all, submission to God is being rightly related to him, and that comes by faith in Jesus. <laughs> being rightly related, salvation comes, right relationship with the Father comes through faith in Jesus. And so that's the first point. But then there comes this further level of submission of the way that God works in our lives Which comes down to uh, spiritual leadership. How do you relate to spiritual leadership? Are you submitted to spiritual leadership? And that doesn't mean that spiritual leadership gives that uh, you do whatever they tell you to do. But it means that you're you're rightly related to them, so that when they speak, you listen and you respond to them. Now, submission does not mean that you check your brain at the door. Okay, it doesn't mean that you don't think. Uh, it doesn't mean that that um, that you that you can be irresponsible. It doesn't mean that you can be lazy. Like if you submit to somebody who's in leadership over you, okay, then they're carrying the ball. I don't have to worry about it. But I think that proper biblical submission actually brings more responsibility, not less. But here's the issue: when it comes to any kind of submitting to authority or spiritual leadership or any kind of leadership. 
it comes down to, there's a reason that the ark was first. It comes down to this. Do you trust God and his sovereignty to put people in your life who are there for your benefit, not for your destruction, not to give you a hard time? Not to give you trouble. and there, I mean, there's people that are hard to get along with. There are other people that are just not lovely. You ever been around people that, you, you, you know, if you had your druthers, you'd rather not be around them, right? And some people that you're just, you know, just you're not interested in. That's, you know what, you understand what I'm saying? But if God brings people into your life, submission, true submission is watching out for them, being rightly related to them. And if God puts leadership over you, you even in a church setting, or maybe it's a supervisor at work, or it's somewhere, it's even governmental leaders were to submit. The Bible tells us we're to submit. We're supposed to be rightly related to them. So God, do we trust God? Do you trust God? Do you have faith in Him that He can still bring about the very best for you, even if leadership isn't all that great? And, and there's not, there's not, there's no, restri- there's no, we don't check our brains at the door. If we have people over us that have a real issue and you can see their glaring faults and you're able to document them and you're able to list them with just, just really well, like, you know what? This is everything that's wrong. There very well could be a reason why God has you there so that you not only see it, but you can impart, you can release blessing, life flow, even while you're submitted to their leadership, if it's not that good, it's still going to do an impact in your life because you're trusting God to work in you in spite of who they are. Because if I'm submitted to somebody that's not all that great, and I'm going to move on from this as quickly as I can, but um, he, he can do really good things for me in that situation. And if I'm really really wanting the best for the people that he's brought around me, then God is going to be able to use me in that person's life to bless them and to move them along. But if I'm resistant, if I'm argumentative, if I'm contrary, if I'm negative, if I'm carrying a chip on my shoulder or whatever I do, then it's not going to work. So, so we, don't, we, we don't have an excuse to be nasty to anybody. <laughs> right? I have an excuse. Now here's another way that we submit. We submit in our relationships to one another. We're submitted to one another in this body in a, a husband and wife relationship. The Bible says that we're to be husbands be submitted to your wives. Wives submit to your husbands, which is fitting and honorable to the Lord. So there's a mutual submission. There's a there's a right relationship. We're set in order, right order. Um, We're watching out for each other. We're blessing. We're helping each other. But you know what? Here's another kind of submission. Here's another kind of submission. When a a young couple has a baby, the parents submit to that baby. That baby wakes up in the middle of the night, needs diaper change or needs feeding or something, and the parents, what do they do? They get up and they take care of the baby. And they serve the needs of that baby for a long time until that baby grows up and doesn't need that anymore. So honestly, the parents are submitted to the baby. Does that sound like that's a really good thing? Like an adult being submitted to a baby? Well, yeah. (laughs) 
rightly related, right? It's rightly related. It's understanding the need. Now, if you get around people that are, are 46, 47, 60 years old, and they act like the baby, that's when it gets tough to submit, right? Because believe me, I, you know, I'm glad our kids are done. We don't change diapers anymore once in a while when there's one left in our family. But sometimes it seems like that's what you got to do with people. I mean, in a, in a figurative sense, please. <laughs> yeah, stinky. It's, there's things that get stinky, but you know, God calls us to that. You know, some people, when you get in a religious situation or, or a, a um, church situation, you talk about submitting to leadership, sometimes you think, well, gosh, isn't that how cults start when you're, you know, you're submitting to leadership? And that's not what we're talking about. Because, again, you don't check your brain at the door. And really what, if you understand, if you're walking in, in fellowship with God and you're listening to him and you see things that maybe aren't right, okay, God, I need... I need your impartation of what's happening here so that I can be salt and light, so I can be love in this situation. And I've been in situations, you know what? Sometimes God puts you in tough situations and you're there for a while and you say, would you just get me out of this? Can I please leave? (laughs) Please. And the more I struggle to get out, the longer the delay is. It's just, okay, Lord, I'm here to be used by you. And I submit to your lordship through that person here in this place. And if we have our eyes wide open and we're listening to the Holy Spirit and we're allowing love to flow through us, God is going to advance us much more quickly than if we fought, kicked, and screamed. And so it's really in our relationships with one another. And here's the thing, in our relationships with one another, he, he really... He really does know the best way to teach us what we need to learn. He knows how to teach you what you need to learn. He does. Do you trust him? Do you think he's big enough? (laughs) Do you think, do you, and see, here's where faith comes. Do you really think that he's big enough, powerful enough to design your life and things all around you, people all around you, so that Just the right outcomes come as you submit to him in other people. Is he? Is he big enough to do that? But there's a way that life opens up for you when we we partner with God in his way of moving through life. When we live life on his terms and not our own. And so really... When we, any, any time we, we hear the word submission, we should really think that is just an awesome thing. How many of you think of it that way? Very often, the things that, that naturally we think are like repulsive and offensive are really the, the keys into the kingdom of greater fruitfulness and productivity in the kingdom. Now, let's, let's go to the triumphal entry. Let's go to Palm Sunday celebration and it's in Matthew chapter um, 21 now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her 
Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt full of a donkey. Now here comes Jesus. Here comes King Jesus on a donkey. Here comes King Jesus. And what is he preparing to do? You talk about submission. Listen, if anybody has any issue with submission, all you have to do is look at Jesus and all your arguments fall to the ground, right? If you ever have trouble submitting to anybody, anywhere, any situation, anything, you need to look at Jesus and realize that here's the king of glory, the creator of all things, the one who holds the world together by the, the, the word of his mouth, and he came to this earth, and he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, and they spread clo- uh, their clothing before him, and they're calling him the king, but he's on his way to die. And he knows that. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly. Lowly. Submitted, rightly related. Carrying out the Father's will, knowing that that's his place. Now, sure, there's a lot of adulation and praise going on. There's a recognition by the people that here, there's something special happening here. A lot of people have just heard that he raised Lazarus from the dead. Verse 6, so, my, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So the people were kind of mixed on that. He's the prophet from Nazareth. Mark 11, verse 9 says this, Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So some people got it. They knew that this guy was in the line of David. The king. Another strange thing that I thought about, you know, um, David, there seems to be biblical evidence and biblical support for the fact that David might have been an illegitimate son of Jesse, that, that he was the son of a different mother. And I won't get into that now, but and that was one of the claims about Jesus his whole life, that he was illegitimate. We, didn't, we don't know who your father is. And so here comes the king, lowly, riding on a donkey. Picture. Luke chapter 19, verse 37, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Remember the angels when he was born? Glory in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Here he comes winding down his time on earth. And again, 
the spontaneous praise that comes as he comes into Jerusalem. In John 12, and cried, the people cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Oh my gosh, can you... No wonder they crucified him a week later. The religious leaders. It was a reaction to the King of Israel? Well, there's Herod, but my goodness, this is not the way the king's supposed to come. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, it is written, Fear not, daughter Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. So here comes Jesus in triumphal entry. There were, I never saw this before, but I realized that the majority of people put clothing on the floor. They took, they took their coats off and laid that on the, and and some people wanted more, so then they ran and got branches. We always heard that it was branches, but it was mostly clothing that they laid before him, if you look at the different accounts. But anyway, he comes into the city. Here's, they're calling him the king. And it seems like they're submitted, they're like they want him to like, take over. Like, here he is. Let's go. And yet he was still submitted to the Father. Now I want to go to one other scripture to try to bring this to a kind of a conclusion. Because I never thought about it this way either. And it's the story when Jesus had the, the Roman centurion that came to him and said, my servant's sick. Would you pray for him? He's, he's about to die. And if you read the different accounts, it actually says that he, the, the centurion sent servants to Jesus. And said, can you come and heal my servant? So Jesus starts to go. Then he sends servants again and says, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. Just say the word and he'll be, he'll be well. Verse 6, uh, I think this is in Luke 7. I think it was, yeah. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I thought about that phrase right there. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. You know what, you know what the centurion recognized in Jesus? That he was a man under authority. He wasn't the man of authority. He was the man under authority. You catch that? I never thought of that before. I thought he just recognized Jesus' authority. But see, he had a different mindset. The centurion had a different mindset. He knew that his authority came from Rome. It came from Caesar. It came down through the chain of command. And he had people underneath him. But he understood that he had no authority except as it came, came, it came from Rome. And if they kicked him out of that job, his authority was gone. And he'd just be a regular soldier, maybe not even in the army. But he recognized Jesus' authority. He said, I also am a man placed under authority. Just like you. He recognized that there was another kingdom that Jesus was a part of, and his authority came from that kingdom, and that's what he was working out of. And if you think about it, that's really true. Jesus set aside his deity, his Godhead, basically his his power and everything, and everything that he did, he did as a human being, but filled and powered by the Holy Spirit. And the centurion recognized that his authority came from somewhere else. 
And so Jesus said, he spoke, said, okay, go, your servant's well. And Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. What was the faith that he was demonstrating? That Jesus could just speak the word and he was healed? I think it has to do with the fact that he recognized the chain of command and authority and how he submitted to it. You understand that submission, (laughs) submission to God in everything is a huge step of faith. Do you want to demonstrate faith that you have faith? Then, then submit biblical submission in every relationship that you have. <laughs> uh oh. But you know what? It's a it. Here's the Jesus had no problem with it. Absolutely no problem with it. He played. He did it. He did, he. It was. It was just there. And so do you want the release of God's power through your life? Do you want his glory shining on your face? Do you want to see him move through you and touch other people's lives? A lot of it has to do with our submission. Our submission to God's sovereignty in the people he puts around us. And I don't care what they do. I don't care how. You you understand it doesn't matter how they act. It doesn't matter what their issues are. It doesn't matter what I think of them. It doesn't matter whether I can rip them up one side and down the other for all the things that they do wrong. It, It doesn't make a bit of difference. It doesn't make a bit of difference because God is over all. And if I am committed and submitted to him, then everything that comes to me will work out for good. Everything will. And you notice when God says everything will, all things work together for good that loves God, the reason he said that is because it's not happening right now. If everything worked out good right away, what's the big deal? Right? So what I... Tricky subject, submission but we need to see it from God's perspective because it's not the kind of thing that we think of. It's not the world's definition of submission. It's God's definition of submission. And our example is Jesus and how he submitted. To the, he trusted the Father. He trusted the Father. And that's not a light statement. Think about it for a minute. If you are the creator of the world and you choose to become a little baby with none of the power of your Godhead in you and you choose to live on earth as a human being and go through all that stuff, trusting the goodness of your Father to watch over you. It's one thing for us to do it. It's another thing for the Son of God to do it. So I just want you to think for a minute. I want you to pause for a minute right now and think about anybody in your life that, 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 that like they just disappear from your life.
Then maybe there's nobody like that. Maybe it's just other people you avoid. <laughs> Are there people you'd like to tell off? Are there people you have told off? And how would that change if you, if you really trusted God in your relationship with them and chose to love them in spite of who they are? Because you're looking for what God is doing for you through that relationship. taken me a long time <laughs> to figure that out and actually start to walk in that. I used to ask God a lot of, you know, why do you have me here and why am I doing this and if I know this is where you're going to take me, why am I here? Why am I dealing with these things? Why can't I get to where I think I ought to be? Duh. He's got me here around those people to prepare me for where I'm going. And until I figure that out and trust him, trust him, trust him, have faith in him, confidence in him, to walk with glory on my face, loving people, so that the transformation comes in me to take me where he wants me to go. So I want you to just consider that for a moment. And I want you to think about that for a moment. And I want to ask you, first of all, can you say unequivocally that in your heart and in your life you've been submitted, biblically submitted to other people? Do you understand <laughs> that if you haven't lived your life, biblical definition of submission, which means rightly related, if you have not been submitted to people that you can't have the right kind of relationship with God that you want to have. Do you understand that the way you treat people blocks you or gives you access, greater access, in your relationship to the Father? And so sometimes, you see, we were doing that this morning during worship. That's why I thought about this, is that, we're, Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory. Where is it, Lord? Where's your glory? Show us your glory. Lord, manifest your presence here, and it's on everybody's face. It's a glory on our face. And so if we are not rightly related to the people that are around us that God's brought into our lives, we're not going to be rightly related to him. And I don't mean that you lose your salvation. The, the, the communion's not going to flow. First John says, how can we say we love God if we don't love our brother? So worship team, come on up.